welcome you back in to another edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast, a brand new week of podcasting excellence, as they sometimes say. Kyle Ulfrink and Ray Flowers hanging out with you. Uh, Ray, the weekend is uh, in the rearview mirror. Mother's Day is in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. Now we can all get excited for the rest of the season and for uh, Father's Day and, and all the other big events this summer. Yeah, and I'll do it. A shout out to my niece, uh, her birthday today, um, wow. turning 13. So I guess she's officially a teenager. Oh, boy. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's good. We'll kind of flip that, that page, as you said, there kind of look forward to, um, the time where we've got almost sole baseball, right? Basketball is winding up regular season. Hockey's winding up the regular season. We're going to have baseball here for a little bit. And, and honestly, Ray, we're reaching that point in the fantasy baseball season where like Memorial Day is right around the corner. And, um, you know, in, in real life baseball, it's always been like, oh, nothing matters until you get to Memorial Day. Don't even look at the standings or, you know, don't even um, have written approvals or rundowns of players or teams until we get to Memorial Day for the fantasy player. Uh, that Memorial Day holiday and I this is going to come off negative, but I hope our audience sees it as a positive. But. Ray, that might be the holiday. That might be the point in the season where a lot of fantasy players kind of bail. <laughs> the people mm-hmm. who are who are off to a rough start and they're like, ah, you know, two months in and I'm sitting in second to last. More of the same for me. I've lost this guy to the IL, this guy to the IL. And they can kind of bail by the time the 25th or the end of May rolls around. Uh, two months in, if, it, if it's not happening for some people, they kind of give up on it. Yeah. And, you know, you hear a lot of people say the reason they don't play fantasy baseball is it's too long, which again, whatever it is what it is. So, you you know, when you sign up that this is what you got and some people try and then they fade and some people life happens. Right. And and sometimes their performance of their team is less than, you know, what they expected. And as you said, they start to slow down. And so, you know, I I get, I get from people like, Oh, you know, my team's in the standings this point. It's like, we still have 80% of the season left. And as you're suggesting, there are certain signposts here where a lot of people start checking out and not that they should, and you should never join a league if you're not going to play it start to finish, uh, but it does happen. So it, it certainly is a, is a point where you can kind of reassess right now and start, start thinking about how you're going to attack things the rest of the way. Yeah. And, and Ray, to just speak to that a little more, we're going to talk waiver wire coming up, but you know, a personal example of life comes at you, you know, yesterday being Mother's Day. And of course, my lovely wife, we were celebrating with her. We went to her uh, mother's house last night. We got home at like, you know, nine o'clock. Um, I was pretty gassed. I, I, I said, oh, I'm just going to go to bed. Call it call it early on a Sunday night, uh, which means I uh, forgot to get my bids in in a certain league. <laughs> so, <laughs> so holidays hit. Now, that's the first time this year. But still, um, it's a perfect example of what we're talking about when people go on vacation, when they you know, have these holidays coming up, uh, you can sometimes uh, get caught off guard in some of these leagues with a waiver wire. You can. Um, I'm very anal about it. So I, you know, I really don't miss. But at the same time, I, I'll tell you this. I don't miss. I, I always do the, the waiver. But I saw problems with some of these damn systems. I'm telling you, yesterday I bid on a catcher and somehow I didn't get the catcher because the system, even though I had open roster spots, because, you know, the way it would. So anyway, these commissioner products, some of them stink. So there's that, too. So even if you're trying, sometimes moves don't get made as expected. But, yeah, you know, to say that I skipped because I had a birthday party or someone got sick in the family or I had to do this. You know, I mean, these things happen. And it's, you know, honestly, unless you're in first or second place, if you're in sixth place, are you going to stay up at 11.55 at night to do – no, you probably won't. So take Well, I think I'm in like eighth place in that league, so maybe that's the excuse. There you go. <laughs> uh, let's get to our starting nine uh, for this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. We're starting where I think we all should start, 
Um, another injury to another big name, Jake DeGrom. We'll get to the latest as we sit here on a Monday morning, but DeGrom pitching effectively on Sunday, and then all of a sudden in a snap, it was just gone, and he was let off the field. So now a lot of uh, worrying and wondering about Jake DeGrom. So we'll start things off there. Speaking of worries in the uh, two-hole of the podcast today, we'll do a little comparing and contrasting. Uh, guys who are struggling at the same position, who is a bigger worry uh, between some of those haggler, stragglers through the first six weeks. Uh, in the three-hole today, we finally got a home run from Glabar Torres. Remember when he hit, what he hit, 35, 36 home runs? We finally got his first home run on Sunday, uh, which has us on the lookout for some other guys who haven't hit home runs. So we'll run through that list as we talk about a baseball season where home runs are still flying, but some guys are not participating. In the cleanup spot, we'll talk about waiver wire bidding uh, from our Sirius XM League. The league I did not make a bid in. Uh, Ray was making some bids and others. We'll tell you what the price tags were for those last night. Uh, we'll give you some weekly planner highlights, courtesy of Rob Povia over at uh, Fantasy Guru. That'll be in the five spot. In the six hole, we'll get you a player profile of a name that we're all learning to pronounce, Huascar Inwa, the pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, very good on Sunday night again. Hit you with some news and notes from the MLB side of things in the seven hole. Eight will be random reference and nine will be stamp of approval. Okay, there we go. One through nine. Ray, let's lead things off with Jake DeGrom. Um, injured early last week, or at least had a start skipped because of a lat injury. Um, everything checked out later in the week. Made a start on Sunday against Arizona. Looked really good through four innings. Looked totally like Jake DeGrom. Then he scuffled a bit in the fifth inning, and he didn't throw a pitch come the sixth inning. Um, and, Ray, he, he left with a trainer. We're hearing a side injury. I think as we've gotten more reporting, maybe it's more the lower back region with Jake DeGrom, and we're all kind of crossing our fingers and wondering right now what his status is going to be. Yeah, and, you know, okay, and, and here's the interesting thing, right? So the, the report this morning was from John Morosi. Initial diagnosis is good, you know, blah, 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 tightness. They're optimistic that while, I'm quoting now, the Mets are optimistic that while DeGrom's next start could be delayed to stay on the aisle, likely won't be necessary, okay? Then moments later, John Morosi sent this, one clarification. A short-term aisle stay, stint remains possible since skipping one start <laughs> roughly equates to the minimum of 10 days. So- yeah. Let's just be honest here. No, no, number one, no one knows. Okay. Number two, Jacob deGrom is not making his next start. Number three, he's almost certainly going on the injured list. I said this last night when I was on with Jim Bowden. He's almost certainly going on the injured list. Now, it could be 10 days. It could be one start. Mm -hmm. But after having setbacks here, Kyle, I, it just, you know, this is your franchise, right? It just it doesn't make any sense for them to push him to get an extra start out of him. He's going on the injured list and he's missing at least one start. That's my guess. Yeah. And, and muscle injuries are, are not always so obvious, even with the MRI. Um, you know, we kind of saw that with Christian Yelich where, you know, they did an MRI and they said, oh, just a few days off and he'll be fine. And that was like a month ago. We're, we're still waiting for Christian Yelich to get back on the field. Not to say this injury is to that level, but you, you just don't know what the muscle regions. And again, we had a lat. Now we're hearing maybe more lower on the side of the body. So we're kind of seeing a, a chain of events go on here with Jake DeGrom. I totally agree with you, Ray. I, I think the IL is almost mandatory if you're the Mets. Um, I think it probably will be just one start. Uh, the schedule helps out here, too. Uh, they're, they're not playing Monday. I think they've got a game Tuesday and Wednesday, and then they're off Thursday. So they can kind of skip his start and not have to really mess around with the rotation because everybody can be on their, their normal rest days. So I, 
I kind of look at him this week, Ray, and I think this is where the rubber meets the road for the fantasy owner. If, if you got to set your lineup today, I don't think I'm putting Jake DeGrom in that lineup. Are you out? No, I'm not. And I've already got that question for people. And they're like, oh, well, he might go. No, he's out. I'm, I'm telling you. My experience tells me, and I could be wrong. Okay. I will fully admit I could be wrong. But everything in my experience tells me he's going on the injured list. And even if he doesn't go on the injured list, I, I find it almost impossible. Really, I'm being serious here. Almost impossible to think he makes his next start. So, I mean, I know he's the best guy going and all that kind of stuff. And if you want to, you know, discount what I say and what Kyle says, and okay, because again, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't prove it. But if I had Jacob DeGrom on my team, Kyle, he would be on my bench. Yeah, they only have five games this week. So again, um, and, and maybe that means he's not on the IL. Uh, maybe that decision is made later in the week. You know, they just keep him on the active roster for Tuesday and Wednesday and then come Thursday. How are you feeling, Jake? You know, let, let's throw a, a bullpen side session. Let's see how you're feeling. And, and maybe the decision is made by then. Kind of similar to what we saw a few weeks back with Ronald Acuna, uh, where the Braves had a very similar setup. He got hurt on a Sunday. They weren't playing Monday. They weren't playing Thursday. And as you saw with Acuna, uh, they rested him for the two days. He didn't play the Tuesday or Wednesday. They brought him back the next Friday. So he, he didn't need the IL, but they kind of waited it out. I can see something very similar with DeGrom. Um, he is, Ray, one of those guys that you say is just a bull. I mean, he, he, he takes the ball every five days. This is his first injury. Um, you know, and, and if he lands on the IL, I guess is the way I should term it. He's probably had injuries. But if he lands on the IL, Ray, this would be the first time since the end of 2016 that he's been on the IL. So this guy's just been a monster the last four or five years, not only as a performance uh, piece for fantasy players, but health-wise, really, he's, <laughs> he's beaten the odds, if you will, in terms of his health. Yeah, and he's, you know, he'll be 33 in like a month. He's not young. He got a little bit of a late start, right, relative to some others. Uh, so maybe age is an issue. I think one of the, the big positives here is that even though he's, you know, likely to, to miss the start and the whole thing we're talking about here, that he left his last start with an injury and still it was run, run in five innings. Yeah. Like a lot of well, guys. But to, to reference that, I mean, Ray, he looked himself in the fourth inning. Something must have happened in that fifth. Mm-hmm. because he does not walk guys. And what do you have? Two, three walks in that inning, gave yeah. up a double. And, and then of course he didn't come out for the sixth inning. He threw a couple warm up pitches. So I just wonder if something happened between the fourth and fifth innings when he's warming up, but you're right. He, he still got the win. I mean, I guess if you're going to look for the silver lining, you get the W, but I, I just look at it and say, okay, he, he was good. The first four innings. I think something happened there in that fifth inning. Yeah. I mean, that was the first time all season he walked three guys and all that, but uh, my point was just that, you know, he crapped out and he still got you a win. I mean, a lot of times guys crap out and it's three three batters into a game or they give up eight runs, you know, he, he didn't have that. So that's at least one little positive. His track record that you noted uh, of obviously pitching through whatever's ailing him or dealing with him because, you know, 200 innings, 200 innings, 200 innings. Uh, that bodes well for him too. And, and we'll just see long-term. No, and again, I think the positive here is that no one believes it's a long-term thing. We just have to do what's necessary now to stop it from becoming a long-term thing. And, and if he hits the IL, it's not the end of the world either. Like, you know, we've been discussing, maybe it is just the 10 days and he's back. We'll just have to see. And, and so much is driven by how the body responds, you know, how the back responds, the stretching, the strengthening exercises, the resting does it take. So we'll just be in a wait and see mode with Jake DeGrom. We may get the news later today. We may get it later in the week. But as of now, it doesn't sound like anything severe uh, with Jacob DeGrom. Uh, not a huge worry at least as we should say on a Monday morning, but uh, we are going to move to the two spot in the order, Ray, and talk about guys who are 
worries. And these guys are worries because of performance, lack of production, ugly numbers. Uh, bigger worry. We'll do some head-to-head here. And, and in fact, our first one, Ray, is a head-to-head-to-head. It's three struggling pitchers, um, all who were drafted. Um, I think all three guys were expected to be SP3 or better this season, uh, but they've been pitiful. Kyle Hendricks, Luis Castillo, and Patrick Corbin. If I give you those three starting pitchers, Ray, who's the bigger worry yeah. right here in mid-May? Yes. <laughs> all of them Bingo, all of them yeah i mean both in the case of of, of uh excuse me of hendrix and corbin um they they are not dominant type pitchers they're just not right they're, they're guys that are more you know touch and feel and and i know that you know obviously corbin said the huge strikeout numbers and that he's someone that has you know altered his game a little bit because he realizes his velocity is going down but the velocity is going down so the expectations for both these guys were, were obviously lower than Castillo, though that does not remove them from, you know, being pitchers that people were counting on. I, I think that that type of pitcher, to me, we've got concerns with, especially in the case of, of Hendricks, because the velocity just isn't there. He can't make up for mistakes. In Corbin's case, he, you know, he throws five, six miles an hour harder, which is amazing to think because his velocity is down. But Hendricks is 86. Um, I think the biggest concern is Castillo because number one, he was the guy that people really invested in. He was drafted as an SP one in most instances. And two, because we keep searching for, we keep searching for reasons why. Um, and, and I don't know, you know, the velocity has started to come back, which I guess is a positive with him, but both Corbin, i like with Corbin, I could see him being just a guy. Like that was a potential outcome with, with, you know, Kyle Hendricks. I didn't think he could be just a guy, but okay. If at the end he's, you know, 12 and 13 and his ERA is three, nine. Yeah, okay. You know, I, I get that in the case of Castillo, this just wasn't, wasn't the way it was supposed to be it just wasn't the way it was supposed to happen. And last night we spoke with Nick crawl, the GM of the Cincinnati Reds. And I asked him, I said, Hey, what the hell's going on here with, with Luis Castillo in a much nicer tone. He didn't answer. He basically said, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Next question. You know, it was like, there was no, and I was hoping to hear, well, you know, we're looking on this or that. And I don't know if that means he just shined us on because, you know, who am I and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I just I have a hard time explaining what's going on with Castillo. He's my most concerning. Yeah. And if, you know, you go back to 2018 was kind of the year that he first emerged and he started out terrible in 2018, but he was really good in the second half. And that got people excited for 2019. 2019, he was monstrous from the get go. Like he had a really good entire season in 2019. Last year, everybody was off and out of sorts. And, and he was one of those guys early on. He had a lot of games with three runs allowed, four runs allowed. There was a five runs allowed to Detroit. And then he figured it out and, and pitched a little better down the stretch. Ray, there is a history to where you say, okay, Castillo, I, I got to give this guy more leash. I got to give him more of an opportunity. Uh, maybe you can make the argument to, to sit him down for a start or two. But the difficulty there, Ray, is a guy like him with an arm like that and, a, you know, an ability like that, even if the matchup says, OK, I'm going to bench him, you could lose out on the, the breakout game, the return to form game. And that's what makes it so difficult. Like Corbin and, and Hendricks, I think you can sit them. And what, what's the worst thing that happens? Kyle Hendricks throws eight innings, gives up two runs on five hits. You know, and that that's great, but it's not like you're going to miss out on 12 Ks. You know, you're not going to in, in even the eight innings. Uh, who knows if they win? Like you don't know. But with Castillo, Ray, it could be pure dominance that you miss out on. So that decision, it's like I hate to say it, but it's almost like you just keep rolling them out there. You have to keep using Luis Castillo. 
you kind of are pot committed, as they say, too, right? Because he probably was your SP1 if you went nutso and did the, the double pitcher thing early. Maybe he's your two, but even so. So, yeah, I mean, you can look at Patrick Corbin, and though though I've been disappointed overall in Corbin's performance and, you know, he hasn't lived up to my expectations. If I have him on the bench, it's okay. I mean, I, 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 we talked about this on this podcast. I had Madison Bumgarner on the bench, on the bench, on the bench when he got bombed the first three times. The next time out, when he pitched great, he was still on my bench. Now he's been in my bench, has been on my roster since then. And I, I was taking the long view with with Madison Bumgarner. I'll take the long view with these guys as well. So if you wanted to bench Corbin or, or Hendricks or even Castillo, I could support it. Though your point with Castillo is extremely valid because you know those other two guys pitch a good game. It's seven innings, you know, one run, eight strikeouts. Castillo does it. It's fourteen strikeouts and no run. I mean, so I see what you're saying. Well, I, I'm going to make an immediate flip-flop, right? Because oh. I just looked at the schedule. Okay. Reds are in Colorado this week, and yeah, that's Luis Castillo's next start. <laughs> yes. So maybe everything I said about, hey, you have to keep using this guy. Scratch that. Um, I, I think that's an easy sit now, don't you, against Colorado? Well, that's, you just say, ah, oh, screw it. I'm not going to push it. Yeah, at some point, Colorado's got a couple of guys hitting, but they've never really you know, gotten going. And this, to me, this is the week they're going to start to get going. I'd be surprised if they don't. If they have all seven games at home this week, I think, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd be very reluctant to start Castillo in that game, yes. Uh, bigger worry, Kevin Biggio or Jeff McNeil? Second baseman, I, and I know you can move them all over the diamond, mm -hmm. but uh, we're, we're just kind of listing them as infielders or two guys of similar uh, talents and similar expectations. Who's the bigger concern, Ray? Is it the guy in Toronto or the guy with New York? Yeah, I good question. Uh, both guys have that positional flexibility, which is very nice. I think the bigger concern to me is Biggio. And maybe that's me being a blinded person with McNeil because I, I still think McNeil's going to hit. And he started to hit, and then he stopped hitting last week. And, you know, I, I look at, at McNeil and I think, okay, McNeil hits 350 in the second half, right? He bats 308 and he's fine. I look at Biggio and it's like, well, you know, Biggio's not going to ever give you batting average, right? So, you know, he's going to have a hot streak and it's going to be 270. Um, I look at his game right now. Biggio has one steal attempt. He's only been, he's got caught. He's, he's attempted one steal. Now, part of the reason for that is his on-base percentage is down. It's still league average though. So, you know, he's still getting on base enough, but the strikeouts are way up. The walks are way down. And again, he's not running. And because of his inability to really produce in the batting average category, even if he's going well, like I said, it's a 275 average. Um, I'm going to say that he's a bigger concern. I also think that there were more expectations with him coming into the year, Kyle. Mm -hmm. I think absolutely. Um, Kevin Biggio, one of the knocks on him, Ray, was um, he couldn't he couldn't really catch up the velocity. And I, I remember telling you this a couple of times. It's like I, I know we don't throw a ton of fastballs anymore, but velocity reigns. And it's like, dude, if, if in 2021 you're struggling with velocity, you know, that, that kind of has me concerned. Now, how has he done um, against the fastball this year? You know, because that's what we're talking about with velocity. Uh, he's worse than last year. You know, if you go to his fan graphs page and you kind of take a look at what he's doing with fastballs and sliders and cutters and curveballs, and believe it or not, they kind of have all this stuff there. Um, you know, he's down. He's he's way down in 2021. Of course, he's down across the board. I mean, the only thing he's really having success with is a curveball. You know, that's the only thing where you look at him and go, okay, he's pretty good there. So, Ray, it's it's still a thing where right now, I guess, pitchers just know I'm going to try to beat this guy with with my hard stuff maybe throw in a slider or, or whatever other changeup I might have because across the board, he's struggling with all pitches, but continues to really struggle with the fastball. 
Yeah, and you know the interesting thing too is if you look at like his his stat cast data, right? The exit velocity, the barrel rate, the hard hit rate, all of those numbers, even last year when he was, you know, good, all those numbers are league average to worse. And so when you talk about a guy who struggles with upper end velocity and you talk about a guy who's, you know, stat cast data is league average, ugh. you know, then you throw in 30% strikeout rate. Ugh. I mean, this is, it's just not a good combination. And, and so, you know, this, this is not to say that BGO's done or he's not going to be productive. No, 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 no. But this, the question is, you know, who, who's my more, concern, more concerned with? And for the reasons that I laid out, I think it's got to be BGO. Let's go to the outfield, Ray. Uh, Jorge Soler or Mike Yastrzemski? Neither of those guys are hitting much. Yastrzemski a little better. Soler, it's like a mystery. That guy is giving owners nothing right now. Yeah, and Soler, you know, hit the the problem is he had 48 home runs two years ago, right? And then everyone thinks that's who who he is. And it's like, well, I love it when people do that. Players have breakout season, and they set the expectation at that superstar level. And it's like, how many guys hit 48 home runs year after year? None. So let's, you know, let's be a little reasonable. Last year was a struggle. The numbers came back to earth from that year. Again, not, not surprising at all. But in opposition to a guy like Biggio, the StatCast data was, was very supportive. Like across the board, almost everything last year was the same as it was in 2019. So you felt good coming into this year. Interestingly enough, this year, his exit velocity is up two miles an hour, which is a significant oh. step. Yeah. Significant step. His hard hit rate is up 5%. Significant step. His barrel rate is down, but still, it's 11.5%. still better than league average, which is like 8. And his, his launch angle is almost identical. So the StatCast data says he's the same guy. If you look at expected batting average built off StatCast, it you know basically has him about 10 points down from where he was two years ago, and very similar. So you know I think that, to me, he's less of a concern uh, than, than Yastrzemski. Yastrzemski just, I, I don't know. The Giants have like 83 outfielders. You know, Yastrzemski's already dealt with being hurt a little bit. The, the big talk now is mustaches with the Giants because they're doing well. Like, we're not concerned that Yastrzemski's not hitting. I'm going to say Solaire because – As a much bigger as concern? Uh, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, excuse me, Yastrzemski, Kyle. Okay, yeah, because that's – Yeah, thank that's, you. Yeah, thank that's, you. That's exactly I'm surprised you were going that direction. I, I think Yastrzemski is the bigger concern. Um, I look at Yastrzemski and I tried to talk myself into it this preseason and I kind of did that he was more than just a solid player. Maybe he's just a solid player. Mm -hmm. uh, both off to slow starts. One more. And hey, these are two guys I wanted nothing to do with as is. So I, I kind of feel vindicated here. But Josh Bell or Miguel Sano. I mean, Ray, it's it, it, these guys are like droppable at this point. <laughs> yeah. The bigger concern for me, boy. Look, I, I'll say this, and you know this. The listeners hopefully know this. I never told a single person to draft Josh Bell, if I'm not mistaken. I'm positive I had Josh Bell ranked lower than everyone in the industry. Positive. And if you have Josh Bell on your team right now, it's on you. Because there's no way I would have drafted this guy. This guy's career is built off half a season. If that. <laughs> yeah. His entire career is built off half a season. And, you know, would you take CJ Crone or, or Josh Bell on draft day? I was CJ Crone. Everyone else is the other way around. Well, how's that going? I mean, it's just... Josh Bell has, hasn't hit now, and this is – it's two years. It's half a season, but he hasn't hit in two years now. And, he, he, you know, he's not been a free out, but he's basically been a free out. So I'm going to say he's the bigger concern. Not that I have any great love for Sano, like you said, Kyle, but I think it's got to be Josh Bell. Yeah, Sano, it's just wild, right? It's a five RBIs. Now, he's been injured. He kind of has that excuse. You know, Bell missed some time early on, but 
Again, both guys don't do a thing for me. Sano was really only owned for home runs, and he hasn't had any. He's got two. <laughs> so it's it's a disaster from that aspect. You know, you thought, oh, as bad as Miguel Sano is, he'll at least get me home runs. He's not doing that. Uh, the dude is hitting 129 right now. It's just ridiculous. He is drawing walks, though. I should point that out. Uh, but maybe we don't want him to draw walks. Maybe we want him to, to swing and swing away. You know, a name I could have put on uh, that list, but uh, I thought he deserved his own little spot, Ray, was was the guy coming up at number three. Uh, on Sunday, we finally had Glaber Day, as they say in the in the Yankees mm-hmm. broadcast booth. Uh, a Finally, a home run for Glaber Torres. Ray, it's, it's astounding. Um, and I thought he was going to rebound this year. I was in on Torres. Uh, boy, big miss thus far. And, and the Yankees... I guess to their credit or to Torres's credit, he's still being slotted in the middle of that lineup. You know, he's still amongst the judges and the Stantons and the Hicks of the order. And maybe Luke Voigt's going to be back, it looks like, this week. So I, I still feel, Ray, that Labor Torres will get things figured out. But, man, it just kind of hit me upside of the head. Yesterday was his first home run, and this guy, two years back, uh, looked like a true power hitter in the infield. Yeah, I mean, the last two weeks, he's hitting 289 with a 385 on base percentage, right? So that's where we want it to be. Both those numbers are very good. The overall game includes a walk rate and a strikeout rate that are are solid. 0.7 walk to strikeout ratio. We'll totally take that. So that's good. Then we start looking at the other stuff. And the other stuff is a concern. I remember when he came up, you and I talked about him. He was looked at as a 15, 20 home run guy, maybe 25 when he develops, right? That's what all the scouts said. Yeah, he can hit the ball to right field. I mean, the opposite field and all that, but eh. Then he goes out and blasts 24 in a partial season, 123 games. Then it goes 38 in year two. And I think people just said, oh, he's a 35 home run guy. Well, maybe guys do this all the time. Well, he's a 20 guy and he hits 30. It's rare that you say a guy's a 30 home run hitter and he hits 20, but that happens too. I think we got a little ahead of ourselves here, you know, just like we were talking about with Solaire. But that does not discount the fact that he's hit four home runs in basically half a season of gameplay now. I mean, that's (laughs) – and – you know, the real issue for him is in opposition to a guy like Soler, who we were just talking about, the StatCast data is not good for Gleyber Torres, okay? His exit velocity is down three miles an hour. That's bad, yeah. okay? His, his hard hit rate is down 5%. That's bad. His launch angle has gone 19% as a rookie, 18% in year two, 15% last year, 14% this year. Now, 14% is a good market. I'd love to see him hold that for his career. There's not a problem with that. But a 14% launch angle makes it difficult to hit 35 home runs. So there's positivity here with Torres. Um, There's also enough negativity to suggest that you were not alone. I was on his side too. There's enough negativity here to suggest that we might have missed the mark in 2021. Yeah, and it, it to put it in perspective of him just having the one home run, if you look at baseball and all the other guys who are playing games, and, and we know, hey, home runs are still still happening. They're, they're maybe not on this rabbit ball pace, but, I mean, you look at historically, we're going to finish, like, with, you know, top five home run total this season, even though it might be down a bit from the, the crazy years. But you look at the other guys with no home runs, and, he, he, I mean, you see, like, Miles Straw, Nick Madrigal, Victor Robles, Adam Frazier, David Fletcher, Elvis Andrews, Yandy Diaz. I mean, a bunch of ground ball hitters for the most part, a bunch of guys you don't expect home runs. So that kind of just caught me off guard with Torres finally emerging from that club. 
the, the other names on there, Ray, I mean, Tommy Pham is still looking for his first home run. Franchi Cordero in, in Boston. Even Andrew Vaughn is still looking for his first home run uh, on the south side of Chicago. Yeah, Pham has been a huge disappointment. I'm still encouraging people to hold on. The power speed is still there. Uh, maybe the stabbing in the offseason was more, more of an effect than we thought, but I'm still holding on there. Cordero's got power speed, but he's got woeful contact issues, and we've seen that to date. The Vaughn thing, it's fallen so far for Vaughn, which, by the way, by the way, hello, my hand is raised. Did you listen? Because we said no. At least I said no. I said best case scenario was 275 with 18 home runs. Yeah, Ray, Ray was uh, more correct on that than I. I was a little more bullish on Andrew Vaughn. $1,000 to spend, and we'll talk about this in a second. Tw- 24 bucks in the Series X and Hustle. I got it for $24 this week on the waiver wire. Like, that's barely a bid. So we have gone in a, you know six weeks with him, seven weeks with him, from a guy that's shooting up draft boards to an ADP in 200 to a guy that you can basically pick up for free on the waiver wire. It's been shocking. Well, let's let's go to that waiver wire bidding. Uh, it's it's in the four hole. We do it every Monday here on the podcast. We take a look at the Sirius XM host league that both Ray and I are a part of. And, and Ray, as you just noted, you kind of just uh, threw in a low bid on Andrew Vaughn and you got him. What, what was the reason for the bidding? Was it uh, a roster issue or do you think Vaughn has uh, better days ahead of him? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I lost Joey Votto, so I needed a corner infielder. Um, and I, so I bid on a bunch of guys, Matt Duffy, Pavin Smith, Brian Anderson, Brandon, uh, Brandon Belt and Vaughn. And I thought, you know, when I look at these guys, you can make arguments for all of them. Um, and I thought, well, I'll take a shot, right? Because you know, let, let's go with the youngster. I think the playing time should open up with the injuries they're dealing with. Who knows, right? That's something that may not be the case. Um, I don't think Votto's going to be out long-term. And if there's a pivot necessary next week, I'll make it. Two weeks later, I'll make it. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. So mm-hmm. this is the one league where we have the ability to change our lineups on a daily basis. Um, I've been a little more aggressive. Like in this league, we drafted Wander Franco and I wouldn't have recommended people draft Wander Franco. So, um, you know, I, I just, I thought it was the right time to jump and I didn't want to overspend. I thought that like a guy like Brandon Belt after his huge week would cost more. I put the same bid on, on those two guys and someone bid 80, 80, what, 85, 86, whatever the hell it was for Belt. So it was kind of just the way it worked out this week, Kyle. I thought it'd be rather inexpensive, and I'd take a shot. Yeah, we had a few guys in the 80s. Uh, Belt was at 85. Nick Pavetta went for 89. Tyler Rogers for 86. That Rogers bid is, and, and I forget who grabbed him, but I'm, I'm assuming, Ray, it was just a grab of looking for saves, trying to find <laughs> saves, but that's not cheap saves there. <laughs> at 86 right. bucks, you'd like to have maybe more of a firm grip on a, on a possibility of saves. I don't... I don't know if much has changed in San Francisco. I think it's still Jake McGee. Now, two weeks from now, Tyler Rogers may be a $200 bid if an injury were to happen. But uh, that, I thought, was a little bit aggressive. But again, you have to be aggressive if you have certain needs, and, and there's one or two guys that can fill those needs. Yeah, that was Howard Bender that, that placed that bid. And um, Howard, this week, lost Delise. So he was looking to you know fill that gap for however long he also has Romano, so he was smart enough to get both those guys in the well, league. Howard also Howard Bender added Anthony Bender, um, and that was a heavy bid too. I thought at seventy six dollars. Did he do that because of his name? <laughs> like I, I don't know. I I, I kind of said well. Maybe it just seemed Ray. I don't know. I don't have the bidding in front of me, but if someone wanted Anthony Bender, or if there were more than more bidders than just Howard, I'd kind of be surprised. I mean, 76 is a lot on Anthony. I don't fault picking up Anthony Bender, but isn't that like a $15 bid maybe? Well, I'm just searching here. The other bids for Anthony Bender were zero. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that, I mean, my, I'll be honest with you, Howard, if you're listening, uh, I thought he meant to do seven or six and double fisted it. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but, um, or I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I can explain the Tyler Rogers one. The the Anthony Bender one's a little suspect. Uh, Harrison Bader for thirty five dollars. I am very anti Bader, not a fan at all. Uh, but Ray, since he's been called up, he's been hitting that. That could end up being a, a strong grab. The, the problem with Bader is inconsistencies mm-hmm. um, with his bat. But here through the first couple of weeks since he's returned, he's he's really been hitting the baseball. If we didn't have the history or previous knowledge of Harrison Bader. Uh, that bid would have been a lot higher. I don't, I don't blame it for 35 bucks. If he needs some outfield, I probably should have been in at that price for somebody like Bader. Yeah. And I mean, Bader does have the power speed combo, right? Like he, he could go 15, 15. I don't think it would shock anyone. Um, he might hit 228, right? So there's a certain downside that, that you noted there, but yeah. Uh, you know, if you look at the last, uh, last week, he, you know, hit 286 last week, had a couple of home runs, he had a steal. So yeah, I could totally understand the bid. Sure. Those are some of the winning bids out of that Sirius XM league. Again, we uh, check in every Monday just to kind of give you at least one league's uh, lay of the land and how they're playing it out. Another thing we do every Monday is uh, check in on the weekly planner column that uh, Rob Povia puts up each and every weekend to get you set for the week to come in Major League Baseball. And as usual, it was posted, I guess, on a Sunday morning. It's up and available right now at Fantasy Guru. It's updated throughout the week. It's kind of a one-stop shop for uh, pitching matchups, two-start weeks, um, you know, some some games uh, played uh, statistics. So uh, a lot of things to help not only just the weekly player, but uh, really any fantasy baseball player. And there's always usually a, a topic before Rob gets into all the heavy duty stuff, Ray. And, and his topic this week was through six weeks, kind of taking a look at splits. Like who are the hitters that are clubbing right handers? Who are the hitters that are going after southpaws really well? You know, are there pitchers that, um, are drastically different against lefties versus what they're doing against righties. He also delved into home and road splits. Six weeks, I mean, hey, I'm not going to blame a guy for writing about it. Six weeks to me, Ray, I guess there's maybe some, oh, wow, that's happening. I'll keep an eye on it. I don't want to say there's anything that is firm yet. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that the information is useless. It's not. But there's nothing on there that says, I think Cedric Mullins right now is like, beaten up on left-handers or something, which is good. He's having a great season, but I need to see more of Cedric Mullins before I say, wow, that guy just owns lefties. Watch out this year. I think that it's a perfectly good use of time and energy to write the article and to read it. I think it's great. I think that you you don't want to view it as gospel. I agree with you there that it's still early enough that we're talking, you know, 50, 70 at bats. It's just not enough to say yes, if you can build that on, well, this has been the way it has been for three years or something. Well, yeah, okay, sure. You know, then then we're getting enough data that it starts looking more more viable. And the lefty righty stuff, I think, you know, a lot of people, some people still say it doesn't exist, but the lefty righty stuff, I think, is is pretty well, legit. And, and let me throw what Ray might I remind everybody: Cedric Mullins is a left-handed hitter. That's mm-hmm. and and maybe that's the takeaway here is um, he may not be the best guy in baseball, but it's like, hey, this guy is not a platoon split. He's He's like legitimate as a guy that the Orioles can count on every day. Yeah, former switch hitter, right? That decided he's going to figure it out one way and it's working. And he's been terrific. He had a home run yesterday again too, right? Um, so yeah, I think the information is is stuff you should know about. And, you know, does it does it answer the question of this guy's going to kill it in this instance this year? No. 
does it help you set lineups? Does it make you look at a guy differently? Potentially, yes. So, so yeah, I think it's absolutely worth looking at. It is early, but it's absolutely information people should at least be made aware of. Yeah, there's also, of course, the uh, weekly breakdown of games played for this week. Uh, we should mention the Mets, the Cubs, and the Dodgers, all with five-game weeks. And and then the other thing to, to throw out there, and I, I think uh, Rob even mentioned this in his piece, Ray, is um, Matt Harvey, who, who Matt Harvey is set to take on the Mets, I think, Wednesday. I think he's scheduled for that start with Baltimore. Um, you know, he's not the Matt Harvey that Mets fans kind of remember from, from seven or eight years ago, but he's been okay this year. Hasn't he? He, he's, we, for, for, for three or four years, he was an embarrassment, but he's been okay this year for the O's. Yeah. And just so people know this, um, Kyle and I are on Sirius X and fantasy sports radio on Friday nights from 10 to 12 Eastern. We're on Saturdays and Sundays now from three to five Eastern. I mentioned that because yesterday was the final GM's corner on Sundays with Jim Bowden. And we had Mike Elias, the GM of the Orioles, on. And because of one of our producers, Sandra Anello, on uh, SiriusXM, I asked Mike. I said, hey, man, Mike, if I don't ask you about this guy, one of my producers is going to kill me. Because <laughs> Sandra's like, favorite guy is, is Matt Harvey. And I said, what do you think? And I'm not going to say that, that Mike was overflowing with praise for Matt Harvey, but it was pretty close to overflowing praise. Like he said, this guy, since he showed up and from spring camp and all, like the GM, at least to us, is in love with Matt Harvey. And, you <laughs> well, know, look think, at the rest of the guys in that rotation. Well, I mean, no wonder. <laughs> yeah, that's why I did. But yeah, I mean, he was overflowing with praise for from the first time that guy stepped on the field this year. And so, I mean, it's Matt Harvey. And I, I think I know the story with Matt Harvey. Um, and I think that if he's a fourth or fifth starter in the big leagues, good for him, right? I think that's just all we got right now. But he's pitched effectively at times this season. There's no doubt about it. It'll be kind of fun to see it on Wednesday night with him returning to City Field. And I'll say this, I've never had like a lot of love for Matt Harvey, even like when he was good. I wasn't all that in on Matt Harvey. Ray, I will give him full credit. Um, you know, that was a guy who literally was the hottest thing in baseball for like two months and was, you know, being talked about in, in Cy Young, Hall of Fame circles. Mm-hmm. Failed miserably, and a lot of guys just disappear off into the ether. He has continued to, like, fight to be in the major leagues. Like, he's bounced around, gone to a lot of different places, trying to make it connect. I do not doubt that Matt Harvey has a true love of this game. Remember, I mean, that was, like, one of the the issues early yeah. on is, oh, is he really focused on Vegas the game? And maybe and he, would, he would maybe even tell you that uh, he was not focused on the game. But I feel like right now, Ray – He's kind of proven that he's focused on this game of baseball. Oh, yeah. I mean, and this is, you know, there are certain guys. Uh, oh, geez, help me out, Kyle, the gentleman from the Braves. I can always forget his name. Kazmar? Kazmar. Uh, it's not quite to that level with Matt Harvey, but, you know, he had to reinvent himself. His stuff is different. His approach has to be different. As you noted, this is not he's just, you know, on the Mets still, and they're trying to figure out he's hopped around. I'll give him credit for that. I don't know what mm-hmm. transpired back in the day and, I know that, uh, you know, Jim Bowden talked about the fact that, you know, he went out there in the playoffs and pitched when he shouldn't have. And he kind of looked at that as the, the start of the downfall because he ended up hurting himself. But uh, he must have a love for the game now, at least, because like yeah. you said, um, a lot of guys that have gone through it, you know, being at the top of the mountain to barely hanging on with the, the Baltimore Orioles, you got to love the game. <laughs> Let's move along and uh, keep things rolling in our uh, Baseball Elite podcast starting nine. We go to the sixth spot and it's time for our player profile. Uh, Sunday night, Ray, who Oscar in of the uh, not you know, uh, Braves. God. What's that? It's not you know, huh? You get to... I, no, I'm, I'm hearing a wah. Okay. I'm, 
Okay, in 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 Noah. Enoa? Enoa? I didn't I didn't see the game last night. Is that what they were saying on air? I, I didn't see the game either because I was on the show. Okay. I'm oh, just yeah, saying, yeah. I could I have no idea, Kyle. Well, so. I joked earlier, everybody's learning. I guess I'm still learning, but I, I was under the impression that like Oscar, the Spanish version, Huascar, mm-hmm. right? Um, Inoa. But I'm, you're probably right. Enoa. Either way, Ray, people are gonna look at this name and know him, I guess. Y-N-O-A, uh, with the Atlanta Braves last night against Philly. Uh, six innings, one run allowed. It was on the first hitter of the game. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon left the yard. And like I said, Ray, I, I didn't get to see last night's game at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he left six innings, one run allowed. This is now three straight games. You could almost say four straight games where this guy has not dominated, but he's been very good. Um, he's going deeper into games than a lot of other pitchers. Last night was six. The game before that was seven. He's got a couple of other games where he's gone six innings, which in this day and age, if you're getting six innings, dude, you're beating, (laughs) you're beating the the average, you're blowing away the average. So that's a real positive here. When you look at him, Ray, um, what do you see? I mean, we we heard so much about these other Braves pitchers and and some of them have even failed once we got to see him. Uh, Maybe this is a guy that snuck under the radar just a bit. And wah, I just like the sound of it, which and wah. it makes sense too with the Y in Spanish. Okay. Um, look, there are other pitchers with the Braves that are ranked higher and they should be. The reason, the main reason is, is this, and we have seen, you know, let's just look at the guys, the greatest hits I always talk about. And, and the most recent guy is Chris Paddock. When you throw two pitches, which is what in does, he throws a change up like 6% of the time. When you throw two pitches, and you're on, you're fine. When you're off, you get hit. Look at Chris Paddock. The same scenario, different pitches, because we got a slider here versus the changeup. But it's all hard stuff with, you know, and it's two pitches. And they're coming in 95% of the time. You can get by with that for a while. You, you, the amount of starting pitchers in the history of baseball with two pitches that dominated for five, six, eight years, it's a very small list. So that's the number one concern. I think that that has to be brought up, too. The main concern beyond the stuff with Yanoa was that he loses control of the strike zone. That was that was kind of the thing. Oh, he's got a big arm, but he loses control of the strike zone. He's throwing pitches like he's, you know, Greg Maddox or or, or Tom Glavin right now. It's, there's none of this in his career. There's none of this in his track record. And there's none of this in the scouting reports. Where is this coming from? Sometimes these things happen. They do. But when you have years of experience here with the guy, the scatter shot, throwing two pitches – to think that it's all changed overnight, I mean, it's been great. Jim Bowden talked about him in the preseason on the show and said, everyone draft this guy. Yep. Okay, so, you know, a huge hit there for Jim. It's been fantastic to date. I'm still extremely nervous, as you can tell, Kyle. Yeah, he's um, been really efficient with his pitching because I mentioned all those innings. He's not really throwing high pitch totals. I mean, he's in the 80s, low 90s. Uh, one game, he's he's been over 100. That was a couple of weeks ago against Chicago. He's been efficient. And you mentioned the walk issues. He has not had a game this year with more than two walks. And, and Ray, that is certainly not his MO uh, to, to have all these starts. What are we up to now? Seven of them, six of them. And to not have any games with any issues on the walks that, that, that is the unexpected thing. And you just wonder, is that going to maintain that? Cause that's, that's probably going to creep up at some point. We're going to have a game where he gets back to kind of his uh, less commanding ways. And how does he rebound from that? You know, a game where he has five walks in four innings and he's out of there in the fifth inning. Does it snowball or does he put a stop to it the next time out? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That, that's an absolutely legitimate concern. And 
you know, also just to throw out since we've been talking all the StatCast data for fun, what control a pitcher has over this is debatable. Uh, there's certainly more evidence to suggest that batters have more control than pitchers. Okay. But a 91 mile an hour exit velocity is a high number. And that's where we're at with, you know, right now. An 11% bell rate is a high number. And a 49% hard hit rate is a high number. And I think that speaks to the fact that, you know, he's 221 batting average of balls in play is helping him an awful lot. And when you throw two pitches, the, even when the batter's behind in the count, it's A or B, right? There's no, it's, it's a fastball slider, fastball slider. Fast. So he doesn't offer that third pitch to really keep batters honest. And both pitches are hard, right? So I think, I think we see that reflected even below the surface of the extreme levels of success. There's a bunch of things that are floating toward the surface to suggest it's time to be a little bit concerned. Next uh, start is scheduled for this upcoming weekend on the road at Milwaukee. Uh, that, that Brewers lineup, for those who haven't been following things, it's, it's laughable. It's, it's really bad. So uh, you'd like to think it'll continue for Inwa or Inoa. That's, that's what I'm going to be figuring out over the next two days, Ray, what, what we're actually calling this guy. I'm going to come to you with an answer by Wednesday, okay? I, I, I appreciate I promise. it. Either way, I'll screw it up. So I appreciate yeah, you doing yeah. that. It's not yeah. the easiest, uh, but, but we'll figure it out. As, as I always say, um, once you start doing well, I'll figure your name out. So <laughs> it's time to do that with Oscar. Uh, they are the Atlanta Braves. Uh, that is our uh, sixth spot there in the uh, starting nine. Moving to the seven, we hit you with some uh, news and notes. Ray, you touched on Rafael Dolis heading to the IL and kind of that affecting thing for managers, a calf injury for him. Um, Atlanta has added Shane Green to strengthen their bullpen. That's a one-year deal for Green, so he's back with the Braves. Uh, Got to bring up Cabrian Hayes, Ray. They, they shifted him to the 60-day IL, so... We just continue to wait and wait and wait now on Cabrian Hayes. Uh, for anybody out there who's been sitting on him, Ray, you're probably looking at another month. I mean, that's almost what this move does is it wipes out all of May. Mm -hmm. And by then you start talking rehab. I mean, we're not going to see him for another four or five weeks. Yeah. And the thing is, they say this is not a setback. Really? Because when this happened, we were told it was no big deal and it's going to cost him two months. <laughs> Even when he had that, that hiccup recently, oh, it's no big deal. We're going we're gonna to put you on the 60-day deal and cost you, like you said, at least another four weeks? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, all I can do is read what has happened, and what has happened is strongly suggested, A, that he had a setback, and B, that they're not being honest when they said he didn't have a setback. Elsewhere, uh, the Yankees, who called up Miguel Andujar last week, he's now been sent back to AAA, so it was a very quick trip. And, Ray, that's a pretty obvious indicator that Luke Voigt should make his debut this week. Yeah, absolutely. That's the expectation. I saw the the video of him blasting a home run down the, the farm. Um, one of the better power hitters in the American League uh, uh, the last couple of years. Uh, he should get an opportunity to return to that lineup this week. Yeah. Uh, again, we still wait uh, the news on DeGrom. Uh, if you're just joining us, or maybe you skipped the early part of the podcast. I don't know if people just join us, but uh, <laughs> if you missed the early part, uh, Jake DeGrom, getting that MRI, the, the worry right now is not extreme. Uh, he may avoid the IL. Maybe there's a missed start, but that's where we stand on DeGrom. Uh, speaking of the minor leagues, you talked about Luke Voigt on that rehab assignment. The minor leagues have started. So for those who are always uh, looking for the next hot young thing or the next call up, uh, you now have got some action to follow. And uh, we've got guys uh, like Kellenick Ray, who uh, I think in his first game, he had two home runs at AAA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, could see Jared Kellenick. I, well, if if I told you he's with the Mariners in two to three weeks, are you buying that? Well, yeah, I think the only thing to, I mean, and I've seen this everywhere because now is prospect time. People start getting antsy. Just remember, everyone, that we don't know the date for Super Two status, and what Super Two status is is basically guys a year early are eligible for arbitration. 
Okay. So teams are very reluctant to fast forward guys clocks. Now, again, this is provided everything changes or doesn't change in the CBA coming up in the end of the year. But as of today, uh, they're reluctant to, to extend these guys too early to the big leagues because that starts the clock. The Super 2 date is not established until after the season. They have to look back at the players and just, when are they called up. So generally speaking, it's around June 5th, something like that, meaning that if you're called up on before June 5th, the odds of you getting to arbitration a year earlier are very high versus if you're after June 5th, it's not happening. So that really has, if, if the player wasn't called up already, right? If the player, because there was an injury or an opportunity before now, there's no reason at all for Jared Kelnick to be up in three weeks when they should just wait four. It just doesn't. Now, maybe Kelnick's leaving anyway after everything that happens and who knows. But if we're talking about a period of seven to 10 days being the determination of a team ending in the long run, spending an extra $10 million or not, why not just wait the seven or 10 days? Because you want to win now. Aren't they supposed to want to win? They're now? supposed to, Kyle. <laughs> They're supposed to, but we don't always see it. Uh, let's move to the eight hole random reference time. Our friends at baseballreference.com, they serve us up with the random pages link. We click it. And we just see what pops up. And I've just clicked it. And uh, here's what popped up. A Baltimore versus Texas box score from May 13th of 1992. Today's May 10th. So this is almost an anniversary um, of then the winning pitcher in what ended up being a 4-2 victory for the Orioles. Rick Sutcliffe. Mm. It's the win. Kevin Brown with the loss. Uh, Greg Olson with the save. For Baltimore. So those were all names in the 90s that certainly popped up. Uh, that that Orioles lineup is kind of interesting, Ray. You got Ripken in the lineup. You have uh, Brady Anderson in the lineup. Uh, Mike Devereaux was a name. Uh, and then there's a name that is only going to mean something to me, Ray. Hitting cleanup on that day, Sam Horn. Ah. Uh, now there, there is a eternal running gag with me and my brothers and my uncle and my father about Sam Horn. Um, he was going to be the thing coming up through the minor leagues. Like Sam Horn was going to be a 10 year power hitter. I remember him in Paul Tuckett and like we, we'd always, and I think we went to a minor league game in Louisville or Memphis. I'm trying to, and there was Sam Horn. And, you know, this is back when we collected baseball cards. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, Sam Horn, just like, and Sam Horn made it to the majors, uh, but he was never much of anything. <laughs> he was he was just a big clubbing guy. Maybe in the year 2021, Ray, there would be more appreciation for a guy like Sam Horn. But back in the early 90s, if you didn't put the ball in play, um, no one cared about you. They wanted you to do other things and just stand up there and try to launch the ball over the wall. Right. So he he was just like 30 years ahead of his time when he came up in the majors. I mean, 468 slugging, 797 OPS. Yeah, you know, a tweak here, a tweak there, maybe. Um, he did have one season the year before this, 1991, where he went deep 23 times, you know, part-time players. So, yeah, I mean, th- there was – I remember Sam Horn, the baseball card clay. I remember all that too, Kyle. It was, <laughs> you weren't the only one. Um, interestingly enough, you know, I, looking at this team, I, I pulled up the 1992 data. You know who led the, the Orioles in home runs that year? Who led the team in RBIs that year? Mike Devereaux. Does anyone remember Mike Devereaux? 24 home runs, 107 RBIs. That's a pretty damn good season for a name that I bet no one even remembers. Yeah, good name also on the Texas side. Um, Ruben Sierra, another legend of the late 80s, early 90s. So anyway, that's our random reference. Again, a uh, 4-2 victory for Baltimore. They scored all four runs in the uh, first inning off Kevin Brown. Um, After that, he shut him down. Kevin Brown actually gave up four runs in the first inning. 
and finished with eight innings pitched in that game. So <laughs> he figured them out the second and third time through the order. The first time was the issue with Kevin Brown. That is our random reference here on the Baseball Elite Podcast. Finally, we go to the nine spot in the starting nine, Ray, and this is time for our stamp of approval. What do you have? Yeah, I'm going to do something that is very basic and very boring, but very important. Um, we missed Mother's Day, and I had a show yesterday on SiriusXM, and I didn't go on and on about it, but I'm going to do it today. Mothers, and it, it's, um, you know, I was fortunate enough, uh, lived through a lot of stuff in my life and ups and downs, and my mom was always there, and I think a lot of people have stories that are similar, and it's a day later, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure everyone has already said, you know, thanks, mom, and all that, but uh, mothers, Kyle, um, I don't I don't give my mom enough props for the the help and the support that she's given me through the years yeah but boys and men are not good enough at that and and i'm just like you ray i can say the exact same for my mother um as we all know we all have the best mother but believe me when i say this i do have the best mother and was lucky enough to spend some time with her yesterday she was up my sister lives down the street so we kind of got to hang out for a bit i had a show later in the afternoon but we got to have a brunch and um it was fantastic really good food and everything but my stamp of approval ray um goes to people who just kind of live in the moment and enjoy what's going on, which in this case is my sister, who is a mother to two children. But yesterday, Ray, we're having mimosas mm -hmm. for, for brunch. And she had bought just a regular, you know, run of the mill, 10 to $15 champagne for, you know, because you're mixing it with OJ. I mean, you don't want anything that good. Right, right. Well, we went through that bottle. We had like, you know, seven people drinking. So that was really quick. So, well, do you have any more? The only champagne she had, Ray, <laughs> was a 2003 bottle of Dom Perignon. Mm. I go, I go, Stacy, you don't want to use this. Right. You don't want to use this on mimosas. And she goes, I don't drink this crap. Why do you think it's been here for 20 years? I go, well, this is worth a lot of money. It's not a 15 bottle, a $15 bottle of champagne. But she was living in it. She said, I don't care. You know, I'm not going to miss this thing. We're, we're having fun. We're making memories. Let's pour out the Dom Perignon. So we did, Ray, and it was spectacular. It was really good. <laughs> I don't know what a 03 bottle of Dom Perignon cost, but it was worth it yesterday, I think. I just pulled it up just to, you know, what the hell? Let's see if we can figure something out here. <laughs> Wine searcher. Um, well, Is it a good year in 03? I don't know. I'm seeing 200 bucks. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I, that's just the first thing I pulled up. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, um, what, we have one too that was from a neighbor they gave it to me i think it's like a 2007 or something too and i don't know anything about champagne so i wouldn't mix it with orange juice i'd, I'd drink it straight if i was going to do that but uh yeah you know <laughs> living in the moment what the hell right you never know tomorrow's promise to no one yeah i i was uh speaking of champagne i uh when i went to france a few years ago we went to reims which is where champagne like was born it's in the champagne region They've got a lot of champagne houses and, and Ray, I'm not kidding. I'm not a huge champagne guy, but the champagne there in like, you get it right out of the cellar. I mean, good God, it blows away anything I've ever tasted on this, this side of the ocean. Like yeah. it was fresh. It's right there at the source. It was awesome. I mean, it was like divine champagne. It's like, Oh, this is what champagne is supposed to taste like. Not that crap at weddings that we always get. <laughs> <laughs> the the fourteen ninety five stuff, yeah, I got <laughs> no, the five ninety nine stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess maybe all in all, it's it's just a thumbs up to champagne. Um, he treated me well yesterday, and again, a, a major major thank you to all the moms out there. Again, 
Ray's mom, my mom, um, they have done a great job, as you can tell with every podcast here. They have done an awesome job of raising us, Ray, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. We carry on their legacy with the plum. Yeah, all of our humor that that we bring to this podcast is is driven by our great mothers. So thank you to them uh, for all they have done and all they continue to do day after day. Uh, Well, Ray, that'll do it for our podcast. As we go out the pod door, where can the folks find you? They can find me here at the site, obviously, fantasyguru.com. They can also find me on elitefantasy.com. You and I host a live stream every day from 5 to 6 Eastern. If you want to help uh, setting their DFS lineups, you can check us out over there, Kyle and I, Monday through Friday, elitefantasy.com. You can find me on Instagram at Flowers, on Twitter at the baseball guy, at baseball guys, excuse me, no the, at baseball guys. Uh, and then finally, as I noted, Kyle, we're going to finally get back to, to Friday, Saturday, Sunday on Sirius XM. Friday nights, 10 to 12 Eastern. Saturdays and Sundays, 3 to 5 Eastern. And then I'm on the Elite Sports Show with Jeff Manns every Thursday from 4 to 6 Eastern. Awesome stuff. Well, as for me, I'm going to be combing through um, some video, some audio at MLB.com, Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to get our answer on Hiwaskar Inwa. Good. Inwa. I'll count on it. Got it. Got to figure this yeah. out. So. I'm counting on you, Matt Vaskersian. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to your broadcast from last night. Actually, I may go to the Braves broadcast. I'll go to the source, see what they're saying on the actual broadcast. Um, that'll do it for us. Hopefully we did it for you on this podcast. We will see you later in the week. Midweek subscriber-only podcast coming your way on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, for Ray Flowers, I'm Kyle Elfrick. This has been the Baseball Elite Podcast, courtesy of FantasyGuru.com. Fantasy Guru.